Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, the show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric aka Sulior, and today we are going to be talking about how the second era began, and we're going to be talking about one person in particular, and that is Raymond Cyrodiil I. But before we do, before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news. I'm sorry that uh, this episode has been a little bit of del- delayed. I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. For those of you that live in the states, like I do, uh, mine was a lot of family that I haven't seen for at least a year. Some of them we haven't seen in three and um a lot of driving (laughs) a lot of driving um i think at one point my wife and i both made some sort of comment about how we could make a drinking game about how many uh roadkill deer we found on the side of the road um but yeah that anyway uh, that and i have had a recent shift change with my job um it is summer now, and summer hours for my job have started, so I am now going to be working in the morning as opposed to the evening. So anyway, um, enough about me. Let's get into the news. So I mentioned this on Nintendo, but there is a rumor going around that the anniversary edition of Skyrim could be coming to the Nintendo Switch. Um, and... In my mind, unless they just include this all in the game info itself, I don't know exactly how they're going to do this because with the Anniversary Edition, it is all of the Creation Club content included with the game. So what you do is, you know, it has access to, at least for consoles and PC, it connects to the uh, Creation Club, which is all online, so either it has to be included into the in the game itself and not downloaded from the Creation Club, or it will in fact have access to the Creation Club. And in my mind, yes, it's great that the Anniversary Edition of Skyrim would be brought to the Switch, but this is also one step closer to getting Fallout 4 on the Switch, which also has a Creation Club uh, access. So I hope it's true. I hope that it does come to the Switch and that we could very well see Fallout 4 come to the Switch as well. I don't know why it hasn't to begin with. Um, I mean, maybe the Creation Club was already with Fallout 4 when it first came out, but It would be so cool to see, you know, a proper Fallout game brought to the Switch. Because the only thing that the Switch has, as far as Fallout goes, is Fallout Shelter. And yes, I've been playing a lot of Fallout Shelter, but I would love to see one of the mainline games brought to the Switch as well. But that's just me. Um... Also, there have been rumors, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but there apparently is an Indiana Jones game that Bethesda has in the works. And the article that I'm seeing 
says that it will not be Xbox exclusive. Um, I mean, I I don't know, I I don't know a whole lot about this game. I'm gonna have to look into it. But I mean, cool. I mean, more Bethesda is never a bad thing. Yeah, well, I guess depending on who you ask. But it, you know, according to me, more Bethesda is never a bad thing. You know, and I'd, I'd love to see what they do outside outside of Elder Scrolls and Fallout, which is why I would love to be able to play Starfield that day. Um, next up, we got an article. Um, I've mentioned this on the show before, but Laura Bailey is a veteran voice actress, and she's been in a lot of games, including some Bethesda games. And she is voicing a companion in ESO in the next chapter that's going to be released very, very soon. Hi, Isle. So um, there's an article where she talks about the character, and it shows you know, her doing some of the lines, recording some of the lines. I saw this on Instagram, too. I saw a video of this on Instagram, but he, I've got the article linked in the show notes here. Um, got a couple other things here. So I, I'm a little late on talking about this, but there is a video on Bethesda.net that goes, it has a video on uh, the making of Morrowind since Morrowind recently celebrated its 20th anniversary. Happy birthday to a fantastic game. And also there is an article that talks about a mod um, for Skyrim that is uh, that gives you access to Morrowind also. So you can, I mean, there's also a huge mod called Skywind which kind of does the same thing where you play Morrowind with Skyrim's graphics and uh, mechanics, which would be amazing. Um, I hope they have all of the variety of weapons and spells and spell crafting that you have in Morrowind, and you're not limited by Skyrim's uh, mechanics with that. So, um, but yeah, this is a, a mod that allows the player to travel to the island of Vardenfell in Morrowind. Um, and I, I can't believe that I haven't talked about this on the show yet, but there is a... I mean, we're not getting E3, but there is going to be a joint Xbox and Bethesda showcase that takes place on June the 12th. So it's kind of a, a Bethesda and Microsoft E3. Um, I mean, it's only virtual so you can find this on youtube twitch um twitter facebook you can watch this on tiktok apparently also they're gonna be live streaming this on everything just search for xbox on all of those and you should find it so this is going to be june the 12th at 10 a.m pacific time so that you know I am really looking forward to that. Can't wait to see what they unveil. And I believe that is it for the news. I'm um, just waiting on High Isle to come out. It comes out on the 6th for you PC players. And it comes out on the 21st for a console. And I actually uh, should be the 6th for Xbox, or I'm sorry, for consoles and Stadia. So, if you are playing ESO on Stadia, uh, poor bastard, I'm just kidding. 
Um, I mean, hey, I mean, Stadia is basically a um, cloud service. So uh, if that's how you play it, great. Um, other than that, uh, for us console players, it comes out on the 21st. So, I mean, I do have it on PC. I didn't pre-order High Isle on console. But, yeah, um, let's talk about what I have been playing lately. So, I've been playing a lot of ESO. Um, I've also been playing Outer Worlds. I finished the um, main story with Outer Worlds, finally. It only took me about three damn years. But um, I did finish the main story in Outer Worlds, and god damn, that last boss was tough. Um, it wasn't so much the boss itself, but it was the fact that he was surrounded by a ton of, like, every minute or two, he'd summon a bunch of drones that would just swarm you. And um, with Outer Worlds, they do kind of have a VATS mechanic, which is really helpful. I didn't use it a lot, but once I figured out some of the benefits of using it, like... It's, it's not specifically VATS. It's kind of a slow time mechanic, but it also lets you target. It tells you where an enemy's weakness is. So with this final boss, if you shoot him in the kneecap while you're using their VATS system, he'll um, take a knee, essentially, and go down for a few seconds and allow you to hit his other weak spot, which is basically... A fusion core on his back. Now, if your hacking and lockpicking skill is high enough, you can avoid this completely by pick, picking a door and hacking a computer. And you can either, like, there's two different um, science checks where you can have the swarmed robots target the boss, or you can just shut everything down altogether. Um, I had to fight <laughs> because those skills weren't high enough. Uh, but I finished that, and now I started one of the DLC... Um, I can't remember. Something about this asteroid called Gorgon. Um, not the Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers Gorgon. Uh, different Gorgon. Um, but uh, I want to say it's Terror on Gorgon. I'm gonna, uh, let's go with that for now. If not... You can scream at me at iancold08 or at tamrlp. Um, take a sip of my coffee here. And I... Uh, scorecation for Fallout 76 is over on the 16th. Yay. Um, but I've been playing a lot of um, New Vegas also. You can check that out on the Fallout feed. But as far as ESO... Um, I finished the um, Blackwood chapter with my North American character. Uh, let's see, I also finished another DLC. I'm blanking on which one it was. Um, but now I am doing the Deadlands DLC because I have a little bit of time um, left on my... I, <laughs> I forgot to uh, unsubscribe from <laughs> yeah, ESO Plus, so I got another month of that. Um, yeah, you gotta uh, make sure if you're not wanting to do more than a month on these subscription services that you unsubscribe. 
uh, like right away or you'll forget if you're like me but uh, yeah I'm now working on the Deadlands chapter because I want to finish that uh, before High Isle comes out so I've been playing a ton of that um, haven't had as much time lately as I wanted to like I said I've had to uh, we did a lot of traveling over this past weekend but that really is it as far as what I've been playing um, yeah a lot of ESO a lot of Outer Worlds so but yeah, I'm kind of on a break with Outer Worlds at the moment but I will get back to that soon anyway uh, let's get into what we are here today and that is the dawn of the Second Empire and Raymond Cyrodiil the First. Alright, so let's talk Raymond Cyrodiil the First. So his reign is from First Era 2703 to First Era 2762, so about 59 years, which is pretty pretty good. Um, so according to the legend, he was the son of a Clovian king named King Hrol from the lands of Lost Twill, who sought to heal the long-split kingdoms of Clovia and Nibine as means to ward off the prophesied, prophesized Akaviri invasion. We will definitely be talking about said invasion here in a little bit, but one of the quests, on one of the quests, King Kroll found the spirit of Alessia, who held the long-lost Amulet of Kings, and in order to unify Cyrodiil, Alessia's spirit, which took the physical form of a hillock, I'm not sure what a hillock is, I'll have to look into that. Um, she was impregnated by Hrol, who had died from his labors. Uh, must have been a hell of a session there. Um, after many months, the mound of mud grew into the legendary hill of Sankator, which uh, you explore Sankator in Oblivion. Um, but at its peak, the shepherdess said Yenna found an infant which she named Raymond. And Raymond bore the amulet of kings in his forehead. It's gotta be painful. Uh, the shepherdess then brought the infant Raymond to the white gold tower and she placed him on the ruby throne without protest, where Raymond stated, I am Cyrodiil, come. And from then on, he ruled Cyrodiil. So he apparently ruled Cyrodiil as an infant. Um, okay. I'm not sure how much of this I buy. So the legends of Raymond further claim that at 12 years old, he single-handedly crushed a major revolt with the Clovians taking up arms to break free of his unworthy ruleship. Um, and he also apparently, as an infant, made that huge statement. <laughs> Um, so the only known contemporary reference to a Hrol outside of the legend is a northerner, a northern Erfrigger, uh, from an Uskrad who perfectly set out from the lands of the lost, uh, land, lands of the lost, <laughs> um, don't know where that came from, but I've definitely watched that show, uh, set out from the lands beyond Lost Twill. 
Um, it is believed that this man may be the general basis of Raymond's legend, which some scholars claim can't be reliably dated beyond the mid-second era. It has been speculated that Raymond was a bastard Nord born to Hrol who died of exhaustion mating with the young shepherdess Sediana. Um, according to this theory, Sediana cleverly fabricated the legend to employ factions that would support Raymond being placed on the throne. If the legends are false, it is unknown how Raymond managed to gain possession of the Amulet of Kings. So that's the only thing about his early days that we know for certain is that he, in fact, was in possession of the Amulet of Kings. And apparently, he—I mean—he did claim to be descended from Saint Blasia, but uh, who knows? So there is a quote here um, that I kind of uh, hinted at earlier, and it's no one knows who actually said this, but it said, "In the ch- in the child's forehead was the Chim Ed Chim El Adbal." alive with the dragon fires of yore and divine promise and none dared to obstruct Sedienna when she climbed the steps of the gold tower to place the babe Ramus on his throne where he spoke as an adult saying I am Cyrodiil come so that was probably taken from that legend that I was talking about so let's uh, I I mentioned this earlier let's talk about the Akaviri invasion which is really kind of where he claimed uh, power here so Akavir we don't really know a lot about Akavir except that it's another continent Um, we know what some of the inhabitants are like but I mean all we know is that it's mysterious so um, I do have a quote here about Akavir. So it is an excerpt from Mysterious Akavir, the book that I was just kind of alluding to a little bit. Uh, it says, Akavir is the kingdom of beasts. No men or merle live in Akavir, though men once did. These men, however, were eaten long ago by the vampiric serpent folk of Seseki? I don't know. T S A. E-S-C-I. Um, I mean, obviously, like I just said, they're serpent folks, so I guess the fact that it makes a hissing sound when you're trying to say it does not it's not really shocking. Um, had they not been eaten, these men would have eventually migrated to Tamriel. So, yeah, they we do know that Akvir is inhabited by these serpent folk. I'm not going to try and pronounce it again. Um, there are also the Tangmo... The Kamal, the Kapotun, Kapotun. Um, there are some humans and goblins also, but we we don't really know much about Akavir except that it is a continent that lies east of Tamriel and it's sepa- separated by the Petamaic Ocean. It is the homeland of four seemingly unrelated races. Um, like I said, they we do know what some of their weapons and armor look like. Um, when you're playing Oblivion, um, you can have weapons from Akavir. They're mainly katanas um, and then some armor. But uh, yeah, the 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 there's the vampiric snake folk, like I just mentioned. The 
Capotan um, are tiger-like uh, folk. And then there's the uh, Tangmo, which are monkey-like races. Um, Kem- the Kamal are basically called demons. <laughs> I guess that should tell you what these people that Raymond the first fought against are like. So, the Akavir invaded in uh, in 2703. So, as I mentioned, there was kind of a prophecy about this invasion. So, the accepted truce of Raymond's uh, reign holds that he was a general in the Colovian West and re- responsible for rallying the armies of the Nibene Valley alongside his own Colovian troops in the fight against perhaps the greatest foreign invasion in Tamriel history. I can't think of any other that's bigger. So the whole northern, whole part of northern Tamriel fell under attack by the armies of the Saseki or Saeski, Saeski, Saeski. Okay, I'm good. I'm gonna go with Saeski. With the Nords of Skyrim facing the brunt of the attack, while the Nords fought fiercely, their foes were no match for the Akaviri. Or sorry, their forces were no match for the Akaviri, who just ran through them. Presumably, fearing the Akaviri would extend their invasion to the Heartland, which Cyrodiil is located in central Tamriel, um, which, you know, and it's also got bodies of water that go straight through the heart of it, so, um, yeah, um, Raymond didn't want them to, like, if, if they took Cyrodiil, they'd basically take the entire continent of Tamriel. So, Raymond persuaded the, the, human kingdoms of the previous empire to lend them their armies so they could go up against the Akaviri. Raymond would wage war on the Akaviri in every region of the north, erecting many of the old fortresses that dotted Skyrim as a protective shield against the Saseki. The war eventually cultivated in the Battle of Pale Pass, which if you've played Oblivion, you've heard of Pale Pass. So, knowing that his forces would stage their attack from there. Given time, Raymond's intuitions were proven correct, and his armies halted the Akaviri advance while, while his foes would stage their attack there. Uh, Vivek of the Tribunal was also assisting uh, Raymond Cyrodiil at that point in time. He commanded the armies of Morrowind and swooped in to intercept the Akaviri from behind, cutting off their re- reinforcements and supplies. A short battle ensued while before the Akaviri abruptly surrendered, surrendered before Raymond Cyrodiil. And hearing his voice, they fell to their knees before him, revealing that he was who they sought after. They swore fealty and proclaimed him to be the legendary Dragonborn. So apparently Raymond I was Dragonborn. So, um... Yeah, that's that's interesting. They heard him, and we're just like, okay, this is our god who we've been seeking after, basically. This was actually the first of two different Akaviri invasions. We'll talk about the second Akaviri invasion in a, another episode. But 
after all of this, basically, Raymond the first spent quite a bit of time rebuilding, uh, rebuilding and starting a new empire, reuniting everybody. And, you know, he reunited everybody during the war, but after that, he kind of, he founded the Second Empire and rebuilt Cyrodiil. So, he was, everybody was impressed by the exotic weaponry and battle prowess. So, Raymond accepted the Akaviri invaders into his own ranks. So, they were awarded amnesty in return for making up the bulk of Raymond's new army, which he called the Dragon Guard. With the war over, Cyrodiil was united under his rule, but uh, he was also responsible for the protection of the weakened northern empires, or the northern uh, kingdoms of Hyrock and Skyrim. So he was determined to pacify Tamriel under his rulership. Rulership. So Raymond's reign saw Cyrodiil become a constant, cons, uh, sorry, cosmopolitan. Easy for me to say. So he incorporated aspects of the Bretons, Colovians, Nibbenae, and Akaviri cultures into a common whole. So in 2704, with the Akaviri no longer a threat, he directed his attention to the Reach, which of course is part of Skyrim. So he sliced the Reach in between Imperial control uh, High Rock and Skyrim. So. He limited the Reachman's ability to plot against him, which we know does happen from time to time. Um, and he began to process, uh, began the process of human conquest and expansion. So, founding once more a Cyrodiilic nation of humans. The elves were not happy about this, um, but. Uh, he, <clears throat> sorry, the Thracian plague was going during this time. Um, in 2714, the Elven kingdom of Valenwood fell under the forces of Raymond I. So, in order to assure that Bosmer that uh, assure that the Bosmer would never unite against his occupation. He disposed of the Cameron dynasty and split Valenwood amongst varying independent tree thanes. So Valenwood ended up being a small prize for Raymond. So um, the, the Bosmer had strict nature laws, which we've talked about in the Bosmer episode. I guess uh, Raymond didn't spend a lot of time paying attention to Valenwood, and it just kind of went into obscurity at that point in time. Uh, at some point, he took, did take the surname Cyrodiil. Uh, to, he wanted to inspire pride and connection to the people of his homeland. Raymond would also institute the coronation rites that they would be used by seceding em emperors, which included the ritual of uh, being granted the Amulet of Kings. So, Raymond died in, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, 2762, 
Uh, we don't really know what happened, but they did trace his lineage to St. Alessia. And he had a grand funeral in Sancrator. So he and his descendants were all entombed there. Sancrator would see a brief resurgence in, uh, in wealth during his reign. And uh, Raymond began to be worshipped apparently as the Cyrodiil or the worldly god. <laughs> Sounds like somebody else we know too. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the next uh, person in line was his son, Kostov. So, anyway, that really is it as far as Raymond Cyrodiil and how he united the empire and uh, reunited the provinces and created the second empire. So, anyway, uh, yeah, that is it for this episode. So... I'd like to thank this, the Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at iangold08, or you can find the show at TamrealFP. Uh, if you could do me a solid and leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and you can also leave a rating on Spotify, I would really appreciate that. I have seen some ratings on Spotify, and I really appreciate that. But if you leave me a review on in, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, leave me a review, I will read it out on the show. I don't remember the last time that's happened. But uh, appreciate all you guys' support. I know uh, here pretty soon I'm going to be talking about the Three Banners War. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to bring some guests on the show for that. Um, I have to get in contact with them and make sure... Everything's good to go with that. And, um, yeah, I'm hope, I've got some big things that I'm planning. I hope they uh, work out. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, don't forget to show your support for the Alzheimer's uh, fundraising. The uh, West Johnson Fallout for Hope campaign that is coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, two, two and a half weeks, something like that. Uh, would really appreciate everybody's help with that. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. So, as always, stay safe, adventurers.